Welcome to the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. My name is Rich Velotis. I'm the lead pastor of New Life Fellowship Church here in Queens, New York City. And I'm here as always with Pete Scazzaro. Pete is the founder of New Life Fellowship as well as the founder of Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Now, today we're gonna talk about uh, culture and team building in the book, Emotionally Healthy Leader, Pete. You uh, devote an entire chapter to the subject of culture and team building. And there are many different applications that you give, but we're gonna focus today on going back to go forward with your team as a means of creating culture, shaping culture, and building teams. And just to review, you mentioned four characteristics of, uh, of emotionally healthy culture and team building, and this is what you list. You list that work performance and personal spiritual formation are inseparable, that elephants in the room are acknowledged and confronted, that time and energy are invested in the team's personal spiritual development, and the quality of people's marriages and singleness is foundational. So those are the four uh, characteristics of emotionally healthy culture and team building. But what we're going to focus on today is really a, an application of those four points using a very powerful and specific tool in the genogram and yeah. going back to go forward. So how does, just let's start, start big picture wise, how does going back to go forward uh, relate to culture and team building? So uh, this whole concept comes out of a theology that uh, we all come out of families that go back three to four generations, that sin is passed down from generation to generation. When we come to Christ, we're born again into the new family of Jesus. But discipleship is putting away those sinful patterns of our family of origin and learning to live in a new family of Jesus. Mm -hmm. So when someone joins our team, uh, the reality is who's joining our team is a person that comes from a whole history going back three to four generations, the late 1800s. So they're bringing stuff with them, and what's inside of people, whether it's cultural or family, is way deeper than we realize, far deeper than we realize. And I'll give you an example of this. I, a woman from Harvard did a big study on the multi-generational transmission of trauma out of the Holocaust, and found that if the parents in the Holocaust, the symptoms of what they were holding in their bodies was not just in their children, but was in the grandchildren, as if they'd lived through the Holocaust, the same way they dealt with whether it was feeling, not feeling, or unable to be intimate. Mm. But it's because the grandparents who were in the Holocaust never dealt with it, they simply passed on that into their children and to their grandchildren, that there's this, there's this powerful biblical principle of what's not dealt with in one generation gets passed on to the next. So we think of things like slavery and African-Americans in this country. It, it lives in people's bodies. I think of Koreans. I was with some family from our church uh, we were talking about how the Korean War in the 1950s has so shaped their parents and now them as adult children. Mm. And this concept of Han is so profound. Uh, again, we think of poverty being passed on, but uh, trauma is passed on from generation to generation. And uh, uh, when we have a team, whether it's volunteers or paid staff, we forget it's not simply, yes, they can do a job or not do a job. It's their person that's more important than anything, and, I, and that's impacting their work and their performance. So what you are advocating for is more than just someone doing a job, getting a job done. This is the entirety of a person experiencing transformation. So at New Life, we use language like it's not just your role, it's your soul, it's not just your gifts, it's your mm -hmm. character. Um, in this case here, this, this is so revolutionary because in the marketplace and in most churches, the question is not um, who are you and what's happening inside of you. It's more of can you get the job done. Yes. And so uh, just in your own story, Pete, 
and your own journey, what was that shift for you that it went from, can you get the job done to, it's not just about getting the job done. It's also about who are you as a person and how are you being transformed by Christ in the process? I came into this very slowly. I think again, as we got into emotionally the spirituality in 1996, um, it was more on the discipleship level, um, you know, working out my personal life. But I began to see and put together the obvious pieces as I was working with people in leadership. And I began to see patterns and behaviors that were illogical. And if you've read uh, even the, 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 the pop books like Emotional Intelligence 2.0, they talk a lot about how emotional intelligence trumps IQ every time. Mm. And giftedness. And I would see that, that people, for example, may, have, may be carrying a message. It's called an introject in, in uh, object relations theory. Uh, and they carry an internal message called, I'm a loser, I'm, I'm no good. And they may have, or I'm stupid. And so therefore, you say something to them, and they would interpret it through that lens. Mm-hmm. And they would hear something far beyond a, maybe a healthy critique I'd be giving, uh, and suddenly it would be highly reactive. Or someone who had a PhD, but if they didn't get the right answer, they had this message, I'm stupid. Mm-hmm. And this irrationality, and then I began to realize it's not just simply a team doing a simple Myers-Briggs together or doing some team building exercises, there was a lot more going on beneath the surface that was impacting the team functioning and a person's ability to serve Christ in the church. So with um, the genogram and going back to go forward, um, one of the core issues here is awareness, self-awareness. And one of the principles that I've heard you talk about in many different contexts is the principle that uh, the more, the, the further you go up the ladder, uh, a higher position or whatever, yeah. is greater power, greater authority, the more aware you need to be, the yes. more work you need to have done. Yes. So just unpack that for me and just yep. have any examples for me with that? Yeah. yeah. In other words, the, 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 the larger your responsibilities or level of leadership, the greater weight is going to be on your inner life. And so therefore, issues will come out that maybe did not come out until you got into that role. So for example, I can think of one uh, fellow uh, who was a pastor of a church, and again, the pressure of that leadership, he found himself falling into porn, his whole family had a history of sex addiction, but he would create situations in the church with the board where he would get rejected and fired. And it wasn't until he got rejected and fired from his last church that I had him talk me through the other times he got rejected and fired. And of course, it was always the board's fault. But he would actually create the conditions to get himself fired because he was more comfortable being rejected than actually having a comfortable relationship with his, with his board. But he couldn't even see it right. until it actually happened to him three, four times, and that happened. And I think of others who, who and it happened to me now a few times, folk got in leadership, and, and the way they dealt with authority figures would uh, be perhaps passive aggressive or, or like this kind of childish rebellion. I, I was in the role of like, I was the authority figure and, and they would be responding to me in such a weird way. And then I realized later they were replaying their family of origin as if I was their father or mother and acting out with me and looking for a way to show I'm not going to let you control me and, and that it went back to unresolved relationships they had with their father and mother. I, remember, I have a friend who's a, you know, PhD, and uh, has done a lot of work in organizational organizations. And I remember him telling me, you know, you don't ever hire someone who's got an unresolved relationship with their one of their parents, because eventually it will come out in that workplace with you right. if you if you're the final authority. 
And uh, I think of people, that's called transference. Uh, people transfer to us as authority figures unresolved issues from their families of origin or histories. I think of others examples of uh, a person coming late uh, repeatedly, but they're, they're not just late, they got hit in traffic. It's almost like they want to make a point. Mm. Or you ask someone to do A and B, and they do B and C. So Pete, uh, the genogram is for greater self-awareness and going back to go forward. And one of the outcomes of doing a genogram is really discovering scripts. Yeah. Um, just talk a little bit about the role that scripts play in shaping culture and teams. So again, what we recommend is that, uh, that you do a genogram, uh, not simply for yourself, but for your team. Uh, so you get a sense of what are the messages that people are carrying internally. Uh, we call them scripts. Scripts is almost like a, an actor has a script, and it's not really the, the person, but they're acting out a part. What happens is when we live in families where uh, there wasn't a lot of self-awareness, or we weren't encouraged to actually be our unique selves and pushed into adulthood, we end up living scripts out that really are not God's for us. So a script might be, I can't make mistakes, mm -hmm. uh, or I have to always be right, mm -hmm. or I can't be vulnerable, I can't, I can't show weakness, I have to always be strong. And so people carry these scripts onto our teams and they're unaware of it, but yet it's controlling their behavior. It's, it's informing your relationships, your, uh, your plans, your initiatives. And so part of a healthy team, you've got to go back to go forward and where there's not just being concerned about people's performance, but recognizing that folks have hindrances and blockages mm -hmm. that have to be exposed. They need personal development. And what we're trying to do in this podcast here to say, a genogram is one of the is one of the best ways to help people get at it easily, mm -hmm. not easily perhaps, but at least in a clear way mm -hmm. uh, and forcefully. So um, there's so many ways you can go. This has multiple layers, but practically, for someone who wants to begin integrating something like going yeah. back to go forward into creating culture and team building, um, what do you suggest? How does this fit within like a job description yeah. of a person? Um, a couple of suggestions here. Yeah, well, first of all, on our website, uh, uh, it, under, under www.emotionallyhealthy.org, there's a section called Emotionally Healthy Leader based on the book. And I, for free, we have one of the sessions from the Emotionally Healthy Relationships course called Genogram Your Family. I want to encourage you, you can download it for free and look at it. Mm -hmm. And you can actually do it with your team, and I would encourage you to do so. Uh, so that's number one. I think a step to take is look at that or get the Emotionally Healthy Skills 2.0 curriculum off our website and, and do it. Mm -hmm. uh, get into it. Uh, I think you want to begin asking questions, not shallow questions, but actually asking questions of people. You want to begin observing and being thoughtful. So, I mean, we, we ponder. I pray for our team. I think about our team uh, and asking God for insight. But I'm also very observant. So, like for example... Uh, I've noticed a couple of times people, a person's dressed, they're coming in very disheveled. Um, often that's coming, that's coming from somewhere. I know coming from an abused background, you didn't do dressing. You know, you dressed a certain way, almost carry that with you. Mm -hmm. uh, but I know it's kind of like being a detective. As things come up, mm -hmm. you act like observant saying, oh, like, oh, why did you, why didn't you say no to that person? Why did you say yes? And you be, when you begin to ask questions, you say, what does that remind you of in the past? Like, why didn't you ask your supervisor a question? Why didn't you say, no, I can't do that? And then you find out it goes back to their family of origin uh, and their history. And so you've always got this lens of our team is a place of discipleship mm -hmm. and of healing. And I'm actually growing these folks. Mm -hmm. And their personal growth 
is inseparable from the church's or movement's mm-hmm. growth. Uh, so it is an, it's an, you're combining both, their personal life and their job performance because they're not inseparable. Sounds like a lot of work. It is. <laughs> it's a lot of work. That's why, I mean, I think we see everything through the lens of formation and discipleship. It is work. Mm-hmm. Um, it means you're doing your own work first. As you said earlier, before we started the podcast, you've got to do this thing first, and it's true. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not using people to just get a job done. Mm-hmm. You're actually concerned about their lives and then moving forward. That's why if a person's not teachable and open, mm-hmm. you probably don't want them on your team because it'd be very hard to shape them and move them forward. Yeah, yeah. And the way that someone is self-aware in this area really... It creates now a new culture. Give an example today. Um, you and I had a conversation and to address some gaps that we have uh-huh. in the organization, um, questions that you're holding. Now, one of my scripts uh, from my family of origin is, you mentioned it, one of them, like don't make mistakes. Um, I'm the oldest of five and so I grew up with like, if a mistake comes, now this is the script, wow. it's my fault. And so as I'm hearing about, like you talking about all the gaps Gaps. in the organization (laughs) and what we need to address this and that. Now, if I hadn't done my work, so I'm I'm always, I'm constantly thinking about my genogram and the scripts. Interesting. And as you're talking about it, there's a part of me that's going, man, I'm a terrible leader. You know? Wow, that's amazing. Like this is, this is, this is my fault. This is my fault. But when I step back, I go, you know what? No. This, this isn't my fault. I mean, there's only so much I can, but, exactly. but even changes how I even approach the situation. Like I could spend the next 30 minutes just feeling sorry for myself wow. and living in shame. Never entered my mind that as that it, was going through your mind. As, wow. Ne- I said like, cause I didn't, I did not see it like that way at all when we were talking about it. Yeah. I just thought this is normal church. There's gaps. Yeah. There's always going to be that. Yeah. And so I thought, I, I thought you'd be saying, hey, thanks, Pete. Really appreciate that. Yeah. I'll, I'll work on that when I get back from yeah. vacation. Yeah. You know? But there is that side to it. Isn't so there's part of me saying, thanks, Pete. This is great. You know, we want, we want to make some progress here. But there's another part of me wow. saying, man, uh, Rich, you're responsible for you're, these gaps. You're a crappy leader because of this. But if I'm not aware, I mean, thankfully for the past decade or so, yeah. I've been, you know, uh, seasons of I'm in my genogram. There's, a, there's an element of self-awareness. If not, I probably just wallow in shame. Wow. Um, so that's why the genogram is, is, is so important. And that helps you then understand people that are working, all the folks working for you, as you're coming to them and pointing things out, how they're gonna interpret things in ways that you never even imagined, all coming out of where they're, yes. their family of origin. Yes. yes, absolutely. Wow. So in closing here, um, what can someone do just to, I mean, there's some books here. Yeah. So just, just some practical next steps. Uh, let's just start with the books, yeah. talk about the course, and then um, you know, next step there. No, this book is an older book by Monica McGoldrich. You can go home again, reconnecting with your family. Very interesting book on genograms. I'm sure it's not in print anymore, but be worth looking at that at some point. Focus genograms, kind of an in-depth book on intergenerational families. And I mean, genograms is just so profound, questions you can ask on it. You know, generation to generation, uh, Edward Friedman, his work, this is a classic uh, rabbi, and he writes about how you, that every one of us is part of three families. We're part of our family of origin, we're part of the church or synagogue family, and then we're part of our present family, whether you're single, your spouse, and your children. So those three are all interlocked, mm-hmm. but that family of origin intersects with the other two in a very significant way. Well, it seems like EHS, so, be, before this, talk about the course, I think it's an important thing to note. 
that someone might say, well, this sounds like therapy, we're not yeah. therapists. But what EHS does and what I appreciate about what you do is uh, integration. So the, the theology, we're integrating. I mean, God is the author of, of all truth yeah. there. So, But just talk about that for folks that are like, I'm not a therapist, yeah, yeah. but this is really about the work of integration. Yeah, I'm not either. And we don't want to be therapists. We're equippers and disciplers. And so at New Life, we do have a great relationship with a therapist, a PhD that we do refer people out to, does testing for new staff. And um, we, we like his input uh, along the way we, as we get into territory that's beyond us. But we do serious transformation. And we like to say we do deep discipleship that really changes people. And I, my final words would be that to see team building as this is the work. Mm-hmm. It's not just they're getting the work done. They, they are the work. They're why we're here. And this is our, in a sense, our three and our 12 that we're mentoring and developing for the long-range future of the mission of Christ here in our church. And so I would encourage you, this is not an interruption. This is the work. Uh, and see it as a gift. And, of course, we want people's issues. They're naturally going to emerge and thank God for that. And uh, I've been learning and growing in this for you know a good twenty years now, and still learning and growing. And it's it's, it's wonderful and it's joyful. I'm, again, I'm not trying to fix everybody. Yeah. Uh, but I want to do my part to help people grow and mature in Christ. Yeah. So for more information, the EHS course that we uh, have at New Life and that other churches are doing around the country, um, there's an actual chapter on going back to go forward. Mm-hmm. So that's one way to begin to integrate it into the yeah. life of your church. If you go on our website, emotionallyhealthy.org, as Pete mentioned, there's all a lot of information and uh, articles and things yeah. that you've written and resources. So you can uh, check it out there. So Pete, until next time. Thanks, Rich. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.